On this episode, we have the honor to sit down with Indiana University's Athletic Director, Fred Glass, who has taken us on his journey of healing a hurting organizational culture. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast, presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on our show, our mission is simple. We help organizations make better business decisions. If this is your first time listening, we just want to say welcome to the Kelly family. And we just want you to know that our weekly podcast just aims to help you have tangible skills you can apply to your leadership instantly. And for everyone rating our show and sharing this on social media, we just want to say you honor us so well. In fact, because of you, our show has been able to see tremendous amounts of growth. So thank you so much for finding our content valuable and sharing it with your colleagues, your friends, and even your family members. And for those of you who have a question, if you guys are wrestling with a leadership topic that you want some answers on, um, if you if you have a guest that you think would make a great person uh, that we could interview, shoot us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. All right, so on this episode, we are sitting down with IU's athletic director, Fred Glass, to learn from his unique journey that brought this former lawyer from government official to athletic director. Basically, I was minding my own business practice in law in Indianapolis, never aspired to be an athletic director, it wasn't a dream job, um, none of that. The, the search committee reached out to me and asked me whether I'd be interested. And my first reaction was no, because I didn't know anything about it. It seemed crazy. I was a partner at a big law firm, which is you know, a very stable situation to be in and all, all that stuff. But the, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought maybe this would be something I'd want to do. And I was at a point in my life where it made some sense. I was about 50 years old. Uh, I have four kids. My youngest two were close to being out of the nest. I thought, well, maybe this is something that I uh, might want to do. And, and the more I thought about it, um, part of the attractiveness was that my whole career I'd always been a staff guy, and I liked being a staff guy, and I hold staff guys in, in high uh, admiration, but in a political environment, I never wanted to be the office holder. I liked being the staff guy, and and then as a lawyer, you're really the staff guy. You know, you're, 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 you're advising business people who are doing real stuff, but you're not really doing anything. Um, uh, on your own. So I always thought that'd be kind of cool. You know, Matt, Fred followed a very unconventional journey into his current job. He was trained as a lawyer, spent most of his career in state government, and then moved directly into the position of athletic director of a major university. He's never been a coach. He's never worked in college athletics in any way. And he's never been athletic director. This was an uncommon way to get into the collegiate sporting world and sort of hitting the rewind button. This was an opportunity Fred said he could not pass up. So when um, I get the job, I don't know anything about being an athletic director, and I know that, and the firm was cool enough to let me spend the two months between my being announced and taking over to, to just get ready. And so I interviewed like 150 people, literally. Coaches, donors, people at the NCA, other ADs, you know, people whose judgment I value. And um, coming out of talking to the coaches, several coaches said to me, basically, why would someone who looks like they could be doing something else want to come here and do this? Which didn't scare me, but it was jolting to me because to me it was like the quintessential college town. 
you know, IU, my alma mater, sports, kids, what's not to like? But then I, I reflected on what their reality was, and, and their reality was I would be the fifth athletic director in eight years. So your listeners can imagine in any organization, if you're churning leadership like that, how can you ever get anything done? And then on top of that, within the last 10 years, at that point, we had fired Coach Knight, which was hugely divisive all around the country, really, but especially in the athletic department. Coach Hepner, who we thought was going to lead us to the promised land in football, dies tragically of brain cancer. And then the reason I was there, Calvin Sampson and my predecessor mishandled a major infractions case where the basketball coach was cheating and, and not caring about kids graduating. This was the reality I was walking into, and 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 it was a dysfunctional situation. And and the people in the department didn't understand that because that was their reality, and they thought that was normal, and it's not normal. And it was creating all the kind of um, uh, behaviors you might expect in that situation. They were hiding in their bunkers. They didn't want to be noticed. They were just going to wait me out like they had waited everybody else out. They didn't want to color outside the lines. They didn't want to take chances. So here's Fred, already faced with the challenges that come with just starting a new job, especially him entering into a brand new industry. However, he also found himself entering an organization that now has low morale and maybe a little jaded toward leadership because, as he said, they had five athletic directors over the span of eight years. He knew this would take some intentional work to start healing. I concluded that I really sort of had to heal the department before I could lead it. And I felt like I had to create a spirit de corps, something that we rallied around so that we weren't all just doing our little tasks and getting the hell out of Dodge every night. But there was something bigger to it. And and I, I'm a big... Um, a follower of Ignatian and Jesuit philosophy, no, not so much from a theological perspective, but from a leadership perspective. And one of the things that I knew about at Rebuff from having attended there and being the first uh, alumnus to chair the board at Rebuff was they have the Jesuits have this thing called the grad at graduation, the, the, the attributes they want their graduates to have the day they graduate. And I think they are being religious, loving, intellectually competent, open to growth, and committed to social justice. And it's everywhere. It's on the walls. It's on easels at graduation. Every teacher is required in their syllabus to describe how they're going to inculcate those values in their kids, whether they teach history or they teach organic chemistry. And, you know, I went to Rebuff and I had four kids go to Rebuff. I, I, I warrant to you that they don't all come out with those <laughs> attributes. But the mindfulness of that is really important. And for me, those things started to take root in me much later in life. Not when I was a recent grad, but as I got older, it meant more to me. It's like the old tiny time pills on the contact um, commercials. So I basically stole that. I said, we're going to set out our grad at grad. What are our priorities? What do we want our staff and athletes to embody? And and we try to track those people to us, and then we try to engender that in them so when they leave, they have that. And for us, they're very, very clear. We have five priorities in order. Number one, we play by the rules. Number two, we are well in mind, body, and spirit. Number three, we achieve academically. We're going to go to class and graduate. Number four, we excel athletically. We're going to win championships. And number five, we want to be integrated with the university and be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And, and, and I will tell you that if you ask almost anybody around here, they'll be able to tell you those pretty closely. And, and that's what we're all about. It's how we evaluate staff. It's how we set priorities um, um, in our budget. It's how we hire coaches. It's why I'm here today, because 
being integrated with the university is one of our values. So when I get asked by uh, folks like you to be involved in things like this, I do it. The five pillars, as Fred describes, would become a foundation in IU athletics for successful character development. Athletes, coaches, staff, and Fred himself. But before Fred could start building this foundation, he had to quickly heal wounds in the organization. So what did he do? And I think it really comes out of you've got to listen. You, you, you can't come in and have all the answers, even if you think you've got them and even maybe you do have them. Um, and that was part of the whole thing about talking to 150 people. Um, that really, really helped me. And then when I got in, I didn't make any changes. Um, I had ideas about people I wanted to change or things I wanted to change. But I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to, A, make sure I really thought I was right and, B, earn the, uh, the uh, 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 support by not kind of shooting off and having all the answers. Because I think people come into a situation like me, it's very tempting to feel like you've got them all and you want to shoot around. As we see, Fred recognized the sensitivity required for rebuilding a healthy culture inside his team. And he knew his humility would become a driving force to that success. So in addition to the people I talked before I got the job, I was talking to people all the time when I got there. And I didn't even have a staff meeting. I just kind of walked around and talked to people and listened. Um, and I got uh, buy-in from faculty members, coaches, as we started to evolve the five priorities. And then the Spirit of Indiana 24 Sports 1 team, which came out of that. Um, um, because I just, I, I think, um, you know, uh, people want to make sure they're heard and you have more credibility if you hear them. And I'm really good at writing these priorities and, you know, writing stuff and all that. And I could have sat down and done it, but it really wouldn't have been worth a lot because I think the people feel had, had to feel like they were a part of that development and be a part of that development. We both know that for many leaders, it's so tempting to come in fired up have all the answers, and try to win this new team to your vision. Yet, it's the successful leader who can channel that energy toward building organizational buy-in. As we have learned through many episodes of the ROI podcast, people are the greatest asset of any organization. And in order for our organization to advance... We need a motivated team passionately invested in our mission that is well-defined. So the question is, how do we as leaders know when we have quote-unquote arrived? I don't want to be too flippant, but I don't think it's ever a check. It's never a check mark. I've been here 11 years, which is a lot, especially compared to five athletic directors in eight years. And I always say, you know, I may not be the best athletic director in the world, but you, you get a lot just by showing up. You know, I think Woody Allen was sort of right about that. So I think the longevity uh, helps. But, but I, I, I think it's you're, you've always got to be in campaign mode of, um, of, of never saying, yeah, I've got that figured out. I've got everybody settled. Um, but to answer your question a little a little more uh, specifically, I think getting the five priorities set, getting the spirit of Indiana set, and then when we when that morphed into or the natural evolution of that was the um, student athlete bill of rights, which we got done in 2014. That would have been about five years in. I really felt like we were starting to get the pillars uh, in place that was creating its own culture, a culture we could rally around. Because the whole point of all this is, I think. In the and this may be true for a lot of your listeners too in their industries, intercollegiate athletics is just changing dramatically. Uh, 
Um, and I believe if you're not a value-based organization, if you don't really have a sense of who you are and what you want to be about, you're going to lose your way in the storm. You know, when the when the when the when the pier gets washed out, which it feels like it is, and the rules are changing, who who are we really? You know, and and it sounds tripe. I think it's really true. If if the number one goal of IU Athletics was following the rules when they hired Kelvin Sampson, they wouldn't have hired Kelvin Sampson. He was a cheater. He was a documented cheater, you know. But but those those basic touchstones I think are really important because I still refer back to them. We'll be in a meeting. I'm like, well, if we really think this, then we're not we're not going to do that. And so a culture now strengthened to handle any storm brewing in the horizon. But what about Fred's personal storms? How does he stay grounded as a leader? I don't want to sound too corny, I guess, but but one of the things that, that I've really settled on is I think the secret to a good life is gratitude and forgiveness. And in everything I do, kind of big and small, in my marriage, in my job and all that, I like to keep that at the at the forefront. And to me, forgiveness is like a force field that, you know, if it, 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 forgiveness isn't being a chump. Forgiveness is freeing, freeing the forgiver. And, and that's been a real... Um, constant uh, and, and a positive thing for me. And then just being grateful for things big and small, being grateful for living in Western culture, being grateful I take a hot shower every day, being grateful I've got this job. Um, um, even when things turn bad, looking for a way to be grateful about that. And I'm not always good at it, and I'm not getting up on my high horse, but 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 if, if I can keep be mindful about gratitude and forgiveness, then everything else pretty much takes care of itself. At its most fundamental level, Fred reminds us of one important thing. For organizations that first must heal wounds from the past, move on, and accomplish great things. Great leaders equip their organizations to do that when they connect management and the culture to what drives human happiness. Gratitude and forgiveness are at the heart of what makes individuals happy. That's evidence from positive psychology. And Fred's done a wonderful job of connecting what he has done to what will ultimately drive the happiness of his team and their sense of worth and mission on a daily basis. That's all the time we have this week. Join us next week as we finish this two-part podcast with IU's Athletic Director, Fred Glass, where we will finish our conversation about how to continue healing an organization's broken culture. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we work hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.